You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. I was looking for a new research target, and uh, I somehow randomly uh, got to Azure Automation, and like it made my... like. My eyes pop up and I thought like, okay, this might be interesting and uh, I want to look further. That's Yanir Surimi. He's a cloud security researcher at Orca Security. The research we're discussing today is titled Auto Warp, Critical Cross-Account Vulnerability in Microsoft Azure Automation Service. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. So this is like how I got it. How I got to it, it was really, really random. Some may say it was like a stroke of luck, like how it all went, went down. Uh, but it was really like, it's my job. I like I, I do the research and I, I got to specifically to Azure Automation like in a random way. Well, there is that old saying that luck favors the prepared mind. So I, I suppose one uh, way, you know, you were primed to to notice something uh, that caught your attention, as you say. So walk me through this. I mean, what exactly was it that caught your eye? So when I was looking at the automation service, I saw that you can upload uh, scripts and run them inside the environment uh, of Azure. And I was like, okay, so let's see what I can do with it. So I uploaded a simple Python script and um, I started a reverse shell. So I had like a reverse shell inside the environment. So I was just like typing up commands and looking around uh, what processes are running inside, uh, what files are there. And I was looking around uh, in the file system and I remember that I've seen like a strange directory in the uh, C hard drive. So I was looking at the, at the directory and inside I saw a log file. So it was like uh, a folder that you don't usually see on like a standard Windows uh, machine. 
So I was like looking at the at the log and like reading it. It was pretty short, like a f- just a few lines. And I remember seeing like an HTTP URL inside the log file. And I said, okay, there's an HTTP set up locally because the URL was pointing to local host and it had like a weird port. The port was 40,008, something like that. It was like hmm. a completely random number. Like I didn't really understand why would someone like choose this number specifically. So it, it's like something that caught my eye. So I wanted to understand why is there a server and why this port specifically. I started with making requests to the local server, you know, just to see what would come up. And I got like uh, errors and like uh, forbidden. So I just looked more inside the machine until I've seen that there is like uh, DLL files that those DLL files are the code of the sandbox. Because when you uh, run inside the automation environment, you are basically running inside a machine uh, with other customers, but you are supposed mm. to be isolated from other customers. So I took this this code and I started looking into it and uh, until I found, uh, I did a, like a reverse engineering of the code and um, I saw that uh, that server was actually an interesting server because you could actually make a request and receive the token of your managed identity. Uh, so what is the managed identity? It's basically a token that allows you to access other resources in your Azure account. So mm. when you have this token, for example, if I want to use Azure Automation to like, uh, create a new virtual machine inside my uh, Azure account, I can use this token and give it permissions to create that virtual machine. And when I can have this token and use it like for other resources, this could be interesting. So I didn't really know if this would be interesting or not because I only knew the basics uh, at this point. The only thing that mattered to me is like that random number that the software uh, engineers chose for this port, for this server. At this point, I mean, the, the token that you've gotten back is your token. So am I correct there? Yeah, so I was I was using my my own port, like it was like my own assigned server. So the token was for my account. Yeah, I see. So so nothing terribly unusual there, or you know, raising any red flags when it comes to uh, security of that. So yeah, it was. It, it seemed like uh, it should be happening. Like it seemed like a feature, not a bug. But mm. um, when I when I thought about it, like uh, after a few minutes, like I started to think, okay, when I started um, a new uh, automation job, I would see that this port in the log file changed. Like it was forty thousand and eight, and sometimes it was forty thousand and twenty. Like it was like around forty thousand, but it changed. Like each time I ran a new job, I got a different port. So I said, okay, uh, they are assigning like a random port. So I wanted, I wanted to know, um, it like it seemed natural to me that they are trying to create some some kind of isolation, because when I was researching that server, I saw that they had some kind of authentication in place and security, like to prevent like unauthorized access to the server. But the problem is when I started scanning inside the machines, I see that. 
other ports are available and they answer to me just like my own server. So I mm. just I just started saying, okay, let's try to make the same request for the token, but instead of using my own port, I will try to use other ports around that range. So I went from 40,000 and like up to like, uh, I did I did try like 100 ports up and I started to receive tokens. So hmm. I was like, when I saw the tokens, I was like taken aback. Like, okay, what what is going on here? This seemed, this <laughs> is this like, what I think it is? <laughs> yeah, this this was it. Really caught me off guard. Like, it I was like like two hours into looking at the service, and I thought, there's no way that something like this would be so easy. I, I was taking the token, and uh, the thing with this token is it's a JWT, a JSON Web Token. So you can actually uh, like decrypt it. Uh, in some way and like see what data is stored inside the token. What I did is I looked at the data uh, of the tokens I received and I've seen that they are attached to other uh, customer subscriptions. So I've seen like subscriptions of other companies and I've seen names and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, th- this is this is an issue. Like this is really something I shouldn't be ha- shouldn't be having. So mm-hmm. I set up like a let's say, a victim uh, account just to to try to see if I can actually uh, access another account through this token. And I actually, it, it actually worked. And I, I was like, even more surprised that it actually worked. Like, against the Azure API, like, if you gave any permissions, you could just use those permissions of other customers in their account. So mm. I was like, really, really surprised. And I was like, like holding my head, like I, I can't <laughs> believe this. Really, it was really this simple, and uh, I I just I, I like I like I don't have any words to say. Like this, this it's something like feels like a bit bizarre or surreal, something like this to happen. Right. So the, at that point, what did you think? I mean, do you, do you say to yourself, "Well, I you know I need to get in touch with Microsoft about this"? Yeah. So th- this is like a like standard. Uh, procedure here. Uh, we do the security research, and the moment we find something that we think is a security issue, like we go straight ahead. I I wrote up the report to Microsoft the same day, and submitted it to them, and like they fixed it uh, within four days, I think. Hmm. And what what was the fix? So the issue was that you could access. You could just ask for the tokens, right? So you had to place some kind of authentication in place or block it entirely, like the access to the server. So Microsoft chose to uh, mitigate this by requiring a special like secret token that only the customer itself should know. So when you start up a new automation job, uh, in your uh, environment variables, you get uh, this special token and when you request the managed identity token from the server, you need to send them this token that you have in your environment variables. I see. Now, one of the things you point out uh, in the research you published online here is that Microsoft was quite responsive to you reaching out. Uh, they were a good partner here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was a really good experience with Microsoft. Like they responded very, very quickly to all my emails and they were really appreciative and cooperative in like fixing this problem. Uh, it, it was really a positive experience. Like 
I think that this is this is the thing that makes me as a security researcher want to keep going and keep like finding more security vulnerabilities and report them to to vendors who treat me like with respect and cooperation. It also strikes me that you know part of what allowed you to get as far as you did with this was that there were several steps along the way where a lot of people would have given up or moved on to something else and you hung in there and, and kept digging. Yeah, th- this is uh, actually an interesting uh, part about security research is that you can like uh, do research on one thing for like months and have nothing. But as long as you keep learning about your target and you just be persistent, you will find something. Like it's the further you go and uh, the deeper you go, you will find uh, issues that other people who gave up will not find. Like, there's no other other way to go about it. You have to go the furthest to find um, the most uh, interesting and severe vulnerabilities. In this case, it was it all happened quite fast. But in other security research that I did, it usually took a lot longer to get to security problems like this. And are you satisfied that this has been properly mitigated? Yes. Uh, I think uh, Microsoft uh, cares about those issues. And uh, I think we have uh, a very good reason to keep going and look for more of those. What are your recommendations for uh, folks to protect themselves against these sorts of things? I mean, it, I, I suppose there's there's no evidence that this itself was being exploited but um, you know, it strikes me as one of those things that uh, someone using Microsoft Azure, for example, you know, they they wouldn't have known that this was an issue. Mm-hmm. I can speak like specifically in this case. I think the concept of list privilege would would be really helpful here. If you used mm-hmm. uh, Azure Automation and you assigned like the minimal permissions that you actually need, or even don't assign any permissions at all if you don't need them. So you would be at uh, significantly less risk uh, compared to someone who just gave all the permissions to the managed identity. Like the concept of list privilege really shows that it matters. Like what you do and the decisions you make, even as a customer, it, it, it can change how severe uh, the issue can expose you. Thanks to Yanir Sarimi from Orca Security for joining us. The research is titled Auto Warp, Critical Cross-Account Vulnerability in Microsoft Azure Automation Service. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With SixthSense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. 
To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Rachel Gelfand, Liz Irvin, Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karpf, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week.